Yeah, so um, we're actually going to talk about uh, the, the light that shines. We, we've been uh, conver- conversing about um, the things that Jesus wants us to hear and wants us to do. He says time and again when he preaches, whoever has ears, let them hear, which we understand to mean, if you understand what I'm saying, do something about it. If you can hear me, work it out. Don't just hear it. Do something. And he says a few things um, according to where we are in the book of Mark, chapter 4. Do something with these things in mind. A seed, a cup, and a lamp. Right? We talked about the seed two weeks ago. The kingdom of God is like a lot of small seeds of faith that amount to, in total, great things for God. The steps of faith in our life are usually very small. They're not very big. Our faith can be big. Our our faith is typically going to be as big as we understand the power of God to be. Right? When we believe that God can do great things, our faith rises to that point. But the steps of faith related to that are typically small. What is required of us, even in the midst of a big God and a big belief, is typically not all that big. And Jesus said, that's what the kingdom of God is made up of. The kingdom of God is made up of people that follow me and take every little step of faith that I direct them to take. We just take it. See, the second one is the cup. Jesus doesn't mention a cup. I threw that in so you could remember it. What Jesus said was, to the degree that you measure it out, it will be measured to you. But if you imagine that you have been blessed, that you have been given things, that you are the steward of the stuff of your life, and you pour it out a little bit and come back to God, he's just going to fill it back up a little tiny bit, and then you pour out a little bit. I had a mentor years ago that says, don't go to God with an empty cup, or with a full cup, go with an empty cup. You get to experience the provision of God. Pour it out. With the degree that you measure it out, God will measure it in. Just try to outgive God. You can't. But we... He's saying, listen, don't be stingy. Be profuse in your generosity. Give plenty of room in the cup for God to show you how he wants to take care of you. And then third, we talk about this lamp. He says, listen, be and do like a lamp. Do you, this is how he, this is, this is his parable. It says, this is Matthew chapter four, verse 21. Do you bring in a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on its stand? He asks two questions. They're rhetorical. They, they, they go, the answers go without saying, no. You don't hide a lamp. Yes, you put it on a stand. The last big snowstorm we had, I love big snowstorms. Most of you know by now I drive a forerunner. So when it snows, I go for a drive. That's that's part of what my my forerunner is meant for. I, I grew up driving in the snow in western Pennsylvania on hills and roads and around corners and along ravines. So Ohio snow driving, not a big problem. Not a big problem. I love it. I was in a two-lane left-hand turn lane 
And the snow was coming down so hard, if you recall, that the plows couldn't keep up, understandably. So only one of the two lanes was plowed. I was in the one that wasn't plowed. The Hummer in front of me was in the plowed lane. And I thought to myself, you're in a Hummer. You're in a, you're in a World War II Jeep. And you're in the plowed lane. It defeats the purpose. A Hummer in a plowed lane is like a lamp under a bed. Makes no sense. It defeats the purpose. We we have a light. We are a light. And we need to shine. This is what Jesus is saying. We got to ask some questions. What is the light? What is it? What does it mean? What's it about? And how do we shine? Um, You know, the staff is all wearing the red letter challenge t-shirts. Uh, this morning, I don't know how to teach in a t-shirt. felt very vulnerable to have a jacket on with red piping. <clears throat> uh, we'll get to this, but this red letter challenge is really the core stuff of Christianity. And if you lean into that study and learn and do, you will be shining your light. I'll get back to that a little bit, but uh, we're kicking that off this week and we'd love for you to be involved. I know many of you are all prepped and ready to go. So uh, what is the light? What does it mean? And how do we shine it? So what is the light? Is Jesus, here's the question, is Jesus saying that you are the light? That you're the light? Listen to how Matthew uh, brings Jesus' words uh, in his gospel about this same topic. This is what Jesus says, the way Matthew captures it in chapter 5. You are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Same, a different kind of metaphor, but same idea, right? Neither do people light a lamp, put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine. So my question, again, are you the light? It sounds like it. You are the light of the world. But then it says, let your light shine as though you, there's something that you have. So the answer to, are you the light is it's yes and it's no. We are a light, but we are so because we have a light. We're not actually the light. We have a light which makes us a light. Are you with me? Listen, it'd be better to listen to Jesus. In John chapter 8, this is what he says. I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. I'm not sure what he emphasized, but he could have emphasized anything. I am the light of the world. 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 I'm the light of the world. It doesn't matter. But the point is, it's him. And he says, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light. As a follower of Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus, you are a light because you have the light, which is, who is? Jesus. Well, what does that mean? Second question, what what does that mean? It's a bit abstract to say I'm a light because I have Jesus. 
What, what does it mean when we say, I am a light of the world because of Jesus? What is this light that we have? Well, this context in John chapter 8 is very helpful. Where Jesus says, I am the light of the world. The context, you might recall, is a woman caught in adultery. Literally caught in adultery. And she's now vulnerable on many levels, surrounded by people who are condemning her and are about to stone her for her sins. And Jesus shows up. And what does he do? He shines. He shines. He is the light in that moment. He does what he says he does. He shines in the darkness. He just goes, turns the light on the whole thing. And he says, those without sin should go ahead and throw the first stone. You see the light? What's he saying? You've caught somebody in sin. They have a little pen light flashlight that they're shining on this one woman going, see the sin? And she just goes, click. Y'all. All All y'all. He shines. He turns on the light and he shows them or reminds them who they are. And what happens? What happens? It's interesting. To their credit, They get it. That's a surprising turn for me. They get it. He says, if if, if you are without sin, go ahead and throw the first stone. And who are the first people to leave? The oldest ones. Why? Because they're like, "Ah, right. Right. I've taught my children this. I've taught my young adult children this. I've taught my grandchildren this. You're right. And they leave. And the others follow. And they get it. They get it. The whole crowd, every single one of them leaves. Why? Jesus is the light. It's not just a statement. Like Jesus speaks. He is present. And the people that are there become aware of their sin. And they walk away. And then Jesus asks this poor, poor woman mm, who is exposed in, on, on multiple levels. And he says to her, who condemns you? Listen, he, he doesn't say, don't worry, what you were doing is fine. It's okay. The lights have been turned on, everybody, including her. She has been caught in sin, but he says, that being true, who condemns you? And she says, no one. There's no one left to condemn her which isn't entirely true, right? 
Jesus is still standing there. And if anybody should be able to condemn another human, a human, it would, it would be God. God is holy. He is perfect. And the world stands condemned in the presence of God. Except for Jesus. The, the world doesn't stand condemned in the presence of God in Christ. <laughs> and she says, no one. And he says, right. Neither do I. So much going on in this context that is mind-blowing. This is the mind blowingest part right here. <laughs> that God, the Son, says, neither do I. This is life-altering, life-changing stuff, not only for her, but for us. The Son of God looks at our sin and says, I don't condemn you. I forgive you. This is how Paul puts it in Romans chapter 3. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile. There is, let me put it this way, there is no difference between the God-fearing and the not-God-fearing. All have sinned. All fall short of the glory of God. All of us. Everyone in this scenario, expand that circle out from that vulnerable woman to those people that were there, to us and all the people in between, then and now. All fall short of the glory of God and all are justified freely by the grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. That's how Paul masterfully captured the essence of the light, the essence of Jesus. There is no difference between those who view themselves as godly and those who are not godly. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, but all are justified freely by his grace through redemption that came in Jesus. This is the whole deal right here. Jesus sheds light into your life and into my life and into the whole world, exposes our failures and our frailties, but does not condemn us. Does not condemn the condemnable. That is the light that a Christian has. Let me just pause right there. That is your light. The message that the world needs to hear, needs to see alive in you and me is that I'm condemnable, but I'm not condemned when I'm in Jesus. That is the light. Awareness. This is, this is what we enjoy. What, to think about it this way. Don't think about just what is your light. Think about what the light is to you first, because it's the same light that goes forward. The light that we get from Jesus is awareness. Uh, uh, a God-given you know, ability to humbly accept the truth about me. 
The light is awareness and forgiveness and redemption. Undeserved divine acceptance. That's what, that's what non-condemnation is. Unconditional, undeserved divine acceptance in Christ. That is, that is the light that we have. Jesus exposes the darkness in humanity, in you and in me and in the world, and then delivers the good news, believe in me and you're forgiven. That is what we have in Jesus. That is the light that Jesus is, and that is the light that we have. Just like any bright light provides a brutal reality. But in Jesus, it's complemented with the joy of God's unconditional love. Here's Paul again, talking to the church in Corinth, who were fighting with each other all the time. It was such an eclectic crowd, they just could barely, barely get along. And Paul had to keep telling them, it's not about your differences. It's about what you have in Jesus. He says, look, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers. The God of this age does what it can to, sh- to block the light that would otherwise be the beginning of freedom for a person. The God of this age is trying to block that light so that people continue to live in unawareness, to live in darkness. He says, the God of this age has blinded the minds of believers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ. You can't appreciate Jesus if you don't see yourself accurately. The light is a combination of authentic realization of who I am and then acceptance of the grace of God. Paul gets it exactly right. You cannot see the light of the gospel if you can't see your own stuff. What we preach, Paul says, is not ourselves. We tend to do that. As Christians, I'm going to go into this in just a little detail in a second, but we tend to do that. We tend to say, look at what God has done for me, look where I am now, which is arguably a good thing to talk about. Where you were was not good and where you are is good. But when we lose sight of where we are, right? So Paul says, we're not preaching ourselves. We could, if anybody could preach about how transformation has taken effect in someone's life, it's Paul. But he says, I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about Jesus. And I'm talking about ourselves. He's saying us as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God said, let light shine out of the darkness. What's Paul saying? The light is shining out of me for you. I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about the light that shines out of the darkness that I once was and on some level continue to be. This is what we're preaching to you. Paul is saying, 
I still, every day, every minute, need the unconditional acceptance of God. I am still broken. I'm not preaching about how I'm all put back together. I'm preaching about how I am still in need of the forgiveness of God. Let light shine out of the darkness. Made, he made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. The light is Jesus and the light is awareness of our condemnable nature and our condemnable actions and the non-condemnation that comes through Jesus. We're cracked pots. It's essentially what Paul says in the second letter to the Corinthians. Actually, both of these are from 2 Corinthians. So in chapter 4, just right at the end of this same passage, actually, this is, what Jesus, this is what Paul says. We have this treasure. We have this Jesus. We have this light in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. In that time and in that space, you, you wouldn't want to be described as a jar of clay you would want to be described as a, as, a, as a vase of fine porcelain or silver or gold. But Paul says, that's not who we are. We are, we are jars of clay, which notoriously have cracks and patches and seams and they leak. Remember, our light is that we are forgiven. Over and over and over and forever. We have no right, no leg to stand on that would lead us to be condemning of others, but only grace upon grace upon grace. We are clay jars, cracked pots, if you will, with light pouring out through the cracks. Forever and ever and ever. Adam and I were sitting in a uh, temporary space called a church in Africa, talking to the elders of that church, and they were asking our advice on what to do with a few of the visitations that they were making every week to some particular people that just didn't seem to be responsive at all. And my thought as a time manager <laughs> and, a, and a leveraging of, of the energy that you have was about ready to say, you should spend your time on the people that are responsive. The question on the table was, what should be, how many times should we go back to the hard cases? And Adam said, one more time. And I was like, Adam... Thanks, at least for saying it before I said my answer. <laughs> One more time. One more time. One more time. Because our grace and our light is supposed to be like Jesus' light. And when has he stopped in your life? <laughs> 
One more time, one more time, one more time. And this is our light. I still need it today, every day, every minute. How do you let it shine? I want to encourage you to lean into this uh, red letter study because this whole study is about how to let your light shine. Uh, the first five days, the first free f- five readings are, are sort of a summary of each of the five studies to come. What it is to be, what it is to forgive, what it is to serve, what it is to give, what it is to go. And in every single one of those situations, you will find our core values of worshipful relational missional. In every single space, you will find this uh, press to put God first, to, to love others, and to go to those that you might not normally go to. And in the midst of that, you will be before you will do. You always, our light is always to be a condemnable but not condemned person in Christ. And when you're forgiving, you will be uh, replicating the very thing that you have received. When you're serving, you will remember that you too were served and need to be served. And when you give, you will be doing it from a space of how God has given to you. When you go, you will remember that someone came to you. How we do it is laid out in wonderful fashion throughout this study. Get cracking on it. Next week, uh, Adam's going to talk about what it means to be. One more preliminary question. It's important to kind of keep in mind. All that being said, why wouldn't you let your light shine? Remember that the question is, you don't put a lamp under a bed. Do you? No, you don't. But we do. Sometimes we drive a Hummer in the plowed lane. Why? Why, 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 why on earth, if you're a light, would you not let the light shine? I've got five reasons and I could give you ten. Number one, you're embarrassed about your own shortcomings. Remember, part of the light is not just shining the light, but expressing and showing the cracked pot that we are. That's embarrassing. Our brokenness. You can't, you can't be a light without also incorporating into why it is what the light has done in your life. <laughs> Real time. Testimonies that are 10 years old, I don't know how, they're nice. It's always interesting to hear about someone's history. I want today's testimony. I want to know why you need Jesus today, and so does your neighbor. Number two, uh, you're afraid that your faith looks foolish. Someone is going to ridicule you about the God you serve and the Jesus you believe in who forgives without expectation of earning it. That it's a free gift seems just foolish. We all want to earn it. And we want to tell other people how we've earned it. So, You might feel foolish letting your light shine. Christians have a habit of trying to project some kind of perfection uh, that is not actually theirs because they think that this way. um, uh, Andrew put it just this morning and I was chatting with him. He says, perfection gives us a sense of credibility. 
that, that we're showing that it's worth following God by showing them how God has perfected or improved my life. When in fact, the light is how I still need him. So one reason you might not let the light shine is because you're embarrassed, is because your faith seems foolish, and because it feels as though it's more credible to hide your brokenness. Fourth, it's a lot of work to relate in authentic ways. You can't just like do that right out of the blocks with another person. It takes time to build that kind of trust. I know many of you have been in that situation. You've been in a relationship with somebody. You've, you've spent the time. You've, you've, you've been kind to them. You've, you've, you've listened to them. And then one day, they deliver the goods. You, you hear what it is that burdens their heart, what it is they've done. And in that moment, you realize the light of God is shining on that relationship, but it takes work to get there. That's our other reason we, our light don't shine, doesn't shine. It's, that's another reason our light don't shine. So I started to say that. Finally, um, we tend to use worldly approaches to communication and to relationships. Power, posture, position. And if we don't have those things, we tend not to show our cracks even more. We would rather convince people of the kingdom or convince them of anything from a position of strength. And we grab onto those ways of relating. And in Jesus' approach, as we are saying over and over again here, it requires... Humility. Humility. Good? Tracking? You have a light. Because Jesus is the light. And that light is a God-given awareness of how much you need Jesus. And Jesus staring you in the eyes and saying, who condemns you? Neither do I. That's our light. Normally we finish with a a moment of uh, reflection and maybe on some level we'll still do that, but I wanted to shed some light in your life. Um, We did an update um, with our friend in Kenya, Pastor Dan. He and I have been friends for over 15 years. He's changed my life dramatically. He's one of the best friends that I have. Um, as best friends as you can be apart 7,622 miles. <clears throat> but I wanted to share a little bit of him with you uh, to brighten your day. Maybe while you're listening, you will also reflect on the light that God is in your life and the light that you have uh, to be a light to the world around you. Uh, but while you're doing that, catch a little bit of this light. Thank you.
to update you on one of our global partners uh, out of Kenya, Pungoma, Kenya. Pastor Dan and his family and 30-something pastors and their families and the 20 churches that we've been involved with for 15 15- years.